study the art of war. Work to perfect this To defeat an enemy, you must know them. I will pull the rebels apart, piece by piece. They'll be the architects of their own destruction. 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 Buggedheads, Mavar Tigar. Welcome to a special late night bonus episode of the Man Division podcast. My name is Tom, Nargai Tom, and thank you so much for listening once again to this small independent Star Wars podcast where we are here to talk about all the good things that exist in the Star Wars viewing galaxy right now. Uh, reach out to us on social media. We are at Mando underscore Vision on Twitter and Instagram. You can email the show. Tom at gmail.com. Please be sure to like, subscribe, follow, and share the show with all the Mandalorians in your covert. Well, so why are we doing a special bonus episode? Um, because basically since the moment I uploaded our, our Mandalorian uh, Season 3, Episode 3 review slash recap episode, um, you know, I made, I made a choice in that episode to, to not address something, but since I did the upload, I wish I had spent a little bit more time diving into it uh, because I, I played vague. <laughs> I played like, hmm, it could be anything. It could be this, you know, Moff Gideon, blah, blah, blah. But let's kind of get into it because, you know, if you're a longtime listener of this podcast, you know that I try to, as much as possible, avoid speculating wildly out there. But... After episode three, and after I uploaded that podcast that we did, I, I, I think we have to address sort of like the 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 blue skinned red eyed elephant in the room. That the person pulling the strings on the events that we saw in this third episode, um, you know, and and possibly pulling the strings of Moff Gideon if he's still in play is one particular character whose return has now been teased for quite some time since season two of The Mandalorian. And, 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 and the fandom has speculated wildly about when 
this character would re return. Uh, and I think we are to that point. I think it's time to sort of talk about it because I am, of course, referring to the original heir to the Empire. I am talking about Grand Admiral Thrawn himself. Um, again, I sort of danced around this, beat around this. I didn't want to go down that rabbit hole. I sort of wanted to, I don't know. I, I, I At the time, I had my reasons for not wanting to get into a whole Thrawn discussion. But again, after I uploaded the episode, and I put it out there and I conferred with some of my trusted Star Wars colleagues. Uh, we were all on the same page that it's got to be Thrawn, right? If someone's pulling strings in this time period of the Star Wars galaxy and they have teased his return, it has to be Grand Admiral Thrawn. And, and so what I want to do with this little bit of a bonus episode is kind of talk about why not only does this make a ton of sense because they've teased it, you know, so like it's, uh, it's already in motion. But, you know, for anyone out there who isn't in my age bracket, who didn't flip out in 1993 when a new Star Wars book hit the market, written by Timothy Zahn, called Heir to the Empire, and, and, and gave the Star Wars fandom its first taste of new Star Wars since 1983, um, you know, the, I feel like the sort of significance on, on, on younger people may be lost because a lot of younger people have had Star Wars back in their life in one form or another for many, many years. But in 1993, there were many of us who were thirsty for, for more new Star Wars adventures. And, and Timothy Zahn, not only did he bring back all of our favorite characters, Leia, Han, Luke, Chewie, R2, C-3PO, Lando, the whole, you know, the whole gang, not only did we get our favorite heroes, but he was able to introduce a villain, uh, and a villain who captivated the vast majority of the fandom. And what I want to point out, and again, uh, many of you are astute listeners and, and, and viewers of, of Star Wars lore and history, so you know this. But the time period with which the Mandalorian is set is roughly the time period that the Heir to the Empire trilogy takes place. So, what I'd like to sort of put out there is the idea that perhaps Dave Filoni and Jon Favreau and the people who bring the Mandalorian to life are going to bring that trilogy to life in a new way, with some new... Uh, twists and turns because I think we're going to shift away from the idea that Han, Luke, and Leia are sort of our primary heroes um, because obviously we're telling the story of Din Djarin, we're telling the story of Bo-Katan, and why not wrap Grand Admiral Thrawn's return into uh, uh, sort of like the rise of Mandalore again, right, as, as, a, as a power in the Star Wars galaxy because you know a lot of Thrawn in current continuity took place in Star Wars Rebels, where there's a lot of Mandalorian stuff going on. Now, was he intricately involved in a lot of it? Mm, you know, not so much. But those characters, you know, Harris and Dula, uh, Sabine Wren, all these characters cross paths with Thrawn. Like, there is a, a connection between them all now. There is, there is a history there. So why would they not be the ones to want to stand 
and oppose him in his return to the galaxy after an absence. You know, we don't know where the where the, where the where, where he's been over this time. But what I think is really compelling is, you know, in the original old expanded universe canon, you know, Thrawn wasn't around during the rebellion because he was out on the and you know in the unknown regions doing the emperor's bidding out there so he wasn't able to be a part of the a part of the battle against the rebellion right at least not when he needed to be uh so he returns back after palpatine's demise and kind of brings the imperial remnant back together and 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 drives them forward and and comes this close you know just a a, a hair's breadth away from achieving victory against a very fragile new republic and if there's something that we learned in episode three of The Mandalorian is that the New Republic is extremely fragile and it looks like someone is putting pieces in place to further destabilize a not strong new government, right? And why wouldn't it not be the time for Thrawn to return and do these things? I want to sort of evoke a passage from the very first uh, introduction that we all got as an audience to Grand Animal Thrawn. And I don't do this often. I don't read <laughs> from, from books very often. So I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you... Okay, so I'm just going to read a little passage. It's from the end of Chapter 1 in Heir to the Empire. And I'll, uh, I, you know, I am not an a audio book author but I will do my best to read this in a, in a manner befitting such gravitas and, and dramatic uh, uh, wording, right? So this is, um, if you're looking at the Essential Legends collection book, this is on page 16, right? And this is from a conversation between Grand Admiral Thrawn and Captain Pelion. He paused, taking a, measure, a measured sip from the mug at his elbow, a strong forvish ale from the smell of it, and Pelion forced himself to remain silent. Whatever the Grand Admiral was going to tell him, he was obviously going to tell it in his own way and time. I ran across an offhand reference to it some seven years ago, Thrawn continued, setting his mug back down. What caught my attention was the fact that, although the planet had been populated for at least 300 years, both the older public and the Jedi of that time had always left it strictly alone. He cocked one blue-black eyebrow slightly. What would you infer from that, Captain? Palin shrugged. That is a frontier planet, somewhere too far away for anyone to care about it. Very good, Captain. That was my first assumption, too. Except that it's not. Merkur is, in fact, no more than 150 light-years from here, close to our border with the Rebellion and well within the Old Republic's boundaries. Thrawn dropped his eyes to the data card still in his hand. No, the actual explanation is far more interesting and far more useful. Palin looked at the data card, too. And that explanation became the first piece of this puzzle of yours? Thrawn smiled at him. Again, Captain, very good. Yes, Merkur, or pro more precisely, one of its indigenous animals was the first piece. The second is on a world called Wayland. He waved the data card, a world for which, thanks to the Oberons, I finally have a location. I congratulate you, Palian said, suddenly tired of this game. May I ask just what exactly this puzzle is? Thrawn smiled. A smile that sent a shiver of Palian's back. Why, the only puzzle worth solving, of course, the Grand Animal said softly. The complete, total, and utter destruction of the Rebellion. 
I bring that up because contextually speaking, this chapter still makes a ton of sense in the new canon. Now, of course, Wayland has sort of been folded into imperial lore. So it's possible that it's probable that Thrawn would know the, the, that location. But think about it from this perspective. Thrawn, at the Battle of Lothal, taken away by the Pergil with Ezra Bridger, and is essentially absent for the time of the actual rebellion from, from the, the attack on Scarif and the recovery of the Death Star information to, to the rebels blowing up the second Death Star over Endor and effectively bringing the Empire to its knees. So when he returns some years after that fact, and there's this new Republic in place, Thrawn would still view the, the rebellion as the rebellion. He would not accept defeat because he, to him, this is, this is not the case. So he's going to rally the forces of the Empire around him. Another element why I think that a lot of Zahn's trilogy may come into play here is because we're still dealing a ton with cloning. And, and clone armies are a big part of what Zahn's trilogy and what, what Thrawn's plan to take down the New Republic in the Heir to the Empire trilogy is all about. You know, Thrawn has to uh, build up the Imperial numbers again after, the, after Endor and the loss of so many Imperial lives. What's the fastest way to do that? Thrawn starts his own cloning program. Now, again, in 1993, Timothy Zahn was working um, with not a lot of backstory. You know, he didn't have the prequels to reference. There was no Kaminoans. Uh, uh, there was no uh, uh, Topaka City. There was no Django Fett as, as, as sort of like the, 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 the prime genome for the cloning program. No, you know, he, he, he had a whole separate thing going on with uh, the Spayardi cloning cylinders and you could just sort of plug DNA into it and, and make more, more troopers, right? Um, so, so in a sense, he was, he was working with a bit of a handicap because, you know, it was, what, like seven or eight years later that we would get the prequels and we would start finding out some of this backstory that he didn't have the, the, the information on how it would shake out. But we as an audience now know that Thrawn could easily adapt Kaminoan technology, that that technology is now being warehoused on Wayland itself. Uh, so if Thrawn wants to build up Imperial numbers in this post-Return of the Jedi time frame during the Mandalorian, the information exists on Wayland. It's right there for him. He can go access it and start to build a new Imperial army for himself. So a lot of this, a lot of this talk that we're having right now, it is a little bit of wish fulfillment on my part because, again, for me, I have loved this trilogy of Star Wars books for almost 30 years now, basically 30 years now, honestly. Um, <laughs> and, and, and the idea that we're covering a period of time in which they could actually adapt them and begin to kind of tell this amazing trilogy of stories of, of, of the Imperial Remnant rallying and coming together and, and potentially bringing the Republic to its knees uh, is exciting. What's even more exciting is that it you know we are potentially swapping out Luke, Han, Leia, and, and our principal cast from the original trilogy for the Mandalorians, you know, for Din and Bo. And I would assume 
the the cast of Rebels that will now be featured in the Ahsoka series because we've been getting the rumors that Hera is coming back, that Sabine Wren is coming back, that there will be a live action Ezra Bridger at some point, you know, and obviously we have Ahsoka Tano herself. So the the idea that this trilogy could come to life, and instead of worrying about upsetting um, the Apple Cart by trying to like recast or do de aging on legacy characters. We can have our new heroes from the Mandalorian, our heroes from Rebels in the Ahsoka series, come together to face this threat head on. I think is even more exciting to to, to think about moving ahead because, again, there there are elements to the Heir to the Empire trilogy that probably won't translate into the shows, uh, and and that's okay because obviously, like the big the biggest one being, I, I would be insanely shocked if we were to get a Mara Jade character uh, at, at this point on the Mandalorian or in Ahsoka. You know, as much as I love the idea of the Emperor's Hand, um, I feel like that is thorny at best to, to sort of start <laughs> pulling at that, 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 that uh, particular thread on the sweater. But, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'd be delighted, but it would also bum me out as, as someone who sort of knows Mara Jade's role in the old expanded universe uh, and to know that it would not be the same in the new canon but i'd still be delighted to see the character so you know again there are elements from this story that that i think still work still fit in maybe they find new roles for him i mean after all they've done that with thrawn you know when when i first heard the throne was going to fit into rebels i was like i was sort of concerned i was like i don't know how that's going to work but it worked flawlessly it worked seamlessly it made a ton of sense for Thrawn's backstory to f- kind of flesh out his time with the Empire before his disappearance during the height of the, re- height of the rebellion. So I guess what I'm really saying in, in the long run is, is, you know, obviously we have, what, six? No, five? Gosh, is it only five? Five more episodes of this season of The Mandalorian? Later this year, we should have the Ahsoka series to look forward to. But if you want to fill the gap, Go back and, and check out Timothy Zahn's originally, original Star Wars trilogy, the Heir to the Empire trilogy, that set Thrawn up, that put him into place, because I would suspect that by the end of this season of Mandalorian, we will be full-fledged teasing the return of Thrawn. If he's not shown on screen by the last episode of the series, of the, of the season, I will be sort of shocked. <laughs> but... Again, maybe they're saving him for Ahsoka. That's always a possibility, you know. But I, I, I think the Mandalorian will continue to tease the larger, sort of invisible threat, and I do think that it stands to reason that it will be Grand Admiral Thrawn himself who is pulling these strings and attempting to destabilize the rebellion. And again, perhaps he is using, and pro- probably he is using Moff Gideon as a pawn to destabilize these things too. If Moff, Moff Gideon is still actually out and about in the galaxy, or if that's just misinformation. Well, that's to be determined. We'll see how that goes. But yeah, I think it's I think it's happening. I think it's 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 coming to fruition. There, there's just so much possibility and so much potential to talk to to kind of again, sort of give an ad- adaptation to the expanded universe story that kept so many of us older fans afloat for a long, long time and, and sort of helped re, uh, or, uh, I guess, kickstart 
like a new generation of Star Wars fans because all of a sudden we had books in the comics and you know the popularity of those I, w- I think maybe in some way I'd like to think in some way inspired Lucas to be like you know what it is time let's get after that that prequel trilogy there is still a fan base after this people will still support Star Wars people still want to see more Star Wars you know and and why not honor that trilogy of books that kickstarted everything by by sort of you know adapting it in this fashion I'd, I'd i'd love to see that you know again thrawn's been teased his return is imminent but why not give this entire trilogy a shot to to be front and center in this time period of five years after return of the jedi which is the time period these books are set so that's kind of again that's kind of what i'm thinking is going to happen that's kind of where i want to see it go i i can't lie i have personal stakes in this i'd love to see it go that direction because i'm such a fan of these books but if you're not if you're not familiar if you're new to it check them out they're great i think they hold up again you'll see certain elements uh where if your head cannon is is focused on you know what's been going on since disney bought it yeah, you'll bump up up against a couple things. But, you know, just put a little asterisk by it. And I'm sure we'll talk about it on this podcast at some point down the road. They're great stories. They're a lot of fun. Thrawn is a top-tier nemesis for our heroes. And, again, it's just delightful. It's just delightful stuff. There's a couple other elements in the trilogy that I'm not sure we can get into in an adapted series necessarily because there are some sort of personal elements between uh, Leia and Vader that kind of come about that I don't know if they can, I don't know if it makes sense to explore. Um, I mean, they can change it. Again, they can modify a lot of these things. And I'm mostly talking about the the backstory with the the Nogri and their home planet. But again, there's ways to sort of adapt that too. You just have to make some tweaks here and there, swap out some characters here and there. Uh, And you 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 can pull that off still. Um, but yeah, I, I think if, if you ask me what I'm going to spend my time doing, uh, after this season of the Mandalorian and between when Ahsoka starts, yeah, it's time to, to reconnect with this trilogy. And it, it's, it's one that I'm uber familiar with. I've read multiple times in the, in the intervening 30 years, because it, to me, it's sort of like the Bible of, uh, the Star Wars expanded universe, right? Of a post return of the Jedi Star Wars. Um, and I, I hesitate to say that it sort of colored my expectations for the sequel trilogy, but you know that that's a whole different can of worms. We're we're gonna leave that alone. But what I would like again, I strongly urge you, if you're not familiar with this, go check it out. Get the audible, get a, get a uh, yeah, get an audible. Get the, get the audiobook of it. Check it out if you don't have time to read it. It's a great listen. It's good stuff. Because Thrawn's coming back. He's going to be a major factor moving forward in both The Mandalorian and in Ahsoka, and I'm willing to bet the farm on that. I don't own a farm, but I'm I'm willing to bet one <laughs> that Thrawn is going to be a big deal moving ahead. Uh, and I think that's that's sort of all I wanted to talk about. I just I had to get this off my chest. Uh, before episode four of The Mandalorian came out, you know, in, uh, this coming week. Uh, because, again, like I said, I uploaded episode three, and I was really happy with the review, but I sort of avoided this topic uh, because I knew it was going to sort of spiral on me. 
<laughs> and and I was trying to stay focused on what was on the, on the screen, and I had a bad batch episode to talk about. But after conferring with with several trusted friends, uh, Reagan and Ken, I will mention you by name because uh, you were the, were, the, were my main back and forth uh, confidants about this. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll have to get together soon, and and I suspect uh, I'm already talking about Reagan to Reagan about coming on the podcast so we can sort of explore more Thrawn goodness uh, in depth. So uh, hopefully that will happen soon too. We'll 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 get that ironed out and give you guys uh, a, a heads up when we're gonna have our our Thrawn deep dive because Reagan's been a boy on Thrawn since like 1994, 95, something like that. So yeah, we're, we're in this together. And I think he and I are both uh, on the same page as far as what we want out of Thrawn's return. So we'll, we'll, we will not let this topic go away. <laughs> With that being said, though, I am going to draw uh, the, I'm going to draw a line right here. This is the end of this bonus episode. I don't think there's anything else to really talk about. If you, Again, like I said, I'm going to talk to Reagan probably about this trilogy, so we're going to get into the nitty-gritty on all of it. More Mara Jade talk. We're going to talk about Wayland itself, uh, uh, the, the Yasamari, all the good things uh, from this trilogy. And, and uh, yeah, get ready. It's going to be nerd-tastic. Stay tuned. <laughs> right? Another friendly reminder, please follow us on social media because this is the Mandivision Podcast. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Mando underscore Vision. Email the show, MandoVisionTom at gmail.com. Again, make sure you're liking, subscribing, following, and sharing the show with all the Mandalorians in your covert. This is Mandovision. I've said it eight times. Nargai Tom, and I truly appreciate you checking out the small independent Star Wars podcast. It is insanely late at night uh, or very early in the morning, depending on how you look at it. Uh, it as I'm speaking right now, it is 12.50 a.m., in San Diego. So you will have this episode on your devices first thing in the morning. Uh, hopefully it's coherent and makes some sense. All right, so we'll be back again uh, this week's episode coming up for, for Mandalorian Season 3, Episode 4, will be out on Thursday. So a little bit of a delay. I'm sorry it couldn't be avoided, but it'll be worth the wait. So I'll talk to you all soon. Stay great, Star Wars fans. Check out the Heir to the Empire trilogy. There's a comic book adaptation too. If you don't want to read the book or listen to an listen to an audiobook, there's a comic book adaptation. I think I think Dark Horse did it. I think it was when Dark Horse still had the license. But it should be available online somewhere. Check it out. Find it. Great, great stuff. All right, dear friends. Buckethead Nation, you are the best. You are the reason this podcast still exists. And without you, I would be just talking to myself, which I do a lot anyways, but anyways, <laughs> we'll talk soon. Everyone take care. Be great, Star Wars fans. This podcast, it only ends one, one way, my friends. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. <laughs>